0: You haven't yet subscribed to the Catholic Gateway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or any number of other podcasting apps? This calls for an inquisition! Okay, well, not really. But you should definitely subscribe, rate us, and share. The new evangelization couldn't be any easier. Credo in
1: un parish likes to to look at kind of the bigger picture a priest is an altar priest too. they just go 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 in the zeal full of jesus christ there is compassion for poor people
2: and it has this
0: beautiful historic church heaven coming down to earth thanks be to god from the rome of the west this is the catholic gateway podcast your audio gateway into the archdiocese of st louis On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Welcome to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I'm Gabe Jones. With the opening of the Biddle Housing Opportunity Center in August 2016, the closing of the New Life Evangelistic Center this spring, and synthetic marijuana overdoses among the poor, homelessness has been a major topic of discussion lately. And playing a major role in those discussions is St. Patrick's Center, the Catholic Charities Agency with the goal of building permanent, positive change for people who are homeless, or at risk of being homeless. So on a hot and muggy St. Louis morning, the Friday before Memorial Day, I went downtown to an urban farm near Union Station to meet Brian Sino, a St. Patrick Center client and volunteer at the farm.
3: Well, I do a lot of I do a lot of things like we help plant plant, we help weed um, we do all sorts of stuff. Everything you can imagine at a garden and sometimes more than you think. Jackson
0: Hambrick is the Gateway Greening Farm Manager. He's known Brian since he was a client in City Seeds, a 10-week therapeutic job training program run by Gateway Greening in collaboration with the St. Patrick Center. Brian has a lot of energy. He was here in the
2: fall of 2016, and Brian is one of those clients that just always is looking for something else to do. When I'm assigning tasks, he'll follow me around and look for another task to do. He's always very motivated. He's somebody I think he came every single day. He did not miss one single day, which was awesome.
3: I had a really good attendance record with here because I love doing this job. So I was just happy to be out here, and that's why I continue to volunteer at Gateway
0: Greening every Friday. Brian ended up at St. Patrick's Center and in the City Seeds program because his life had recently turned upside down. Well, when my mother
3: died, um, everything kind of fell out for me, and things just went, went really hard to deal with. So. I said, well, you know, I'm going to leave this place where I used to live because everything I'm miserable was there. So I said, well, I'm going to move on. I'm going to restart my life somewhere else, get away from all this, make new memories. And I decided to go down to St. Louis and eventually I became homeless because I didn't have a job. I was trying to do something um, and it didn't work out. So I said, okay, well, I'm just eventually going to make my life together, get my life together. And... Um, I went to the St. Patrick
0: Center to do that, and eventually I did. St. Patrick's Center helped Brian find housing around the beginning of May. Brian also credits the farm program with helping him to get his life back on the right track.
3: It's life skills out here where they teach you a lot about doing the various thi- about doing various things. It's a the therapeutic program too, so being out here is you see all sorts of. Of um, animals and amazing things to really give you that idea how great it is to be out there and then then what would happen is I would go up to the Shamrock Club and I would like it so then after I was done with city I decided to go through there and through there they got me set up with housing um, they might be able to get me into into more permanent supporting but but for now I'm just happy that they got me something to begin with
0: the Shamrock Club Brian mentioned is what St. Patrick Center CEO Lori Phillips calls the cornerstone program of St. Patrick's Center.
1: So when we were founded 33 years ago by Edith Cunane, who um, fortunately is still active in the agency and both of her adult children sit on our board of directors, um, she saw the need in the community for people who are suffering from behavioral health problems and found themselves homeless to have a place to go during the day. And so Shamrock Club is um, a behavioral health program that we have at St. Patrick's Center. It's for people who are homeless. We will not only provide the behavioral health services they need, which could include Um, substance abuse, uh, education classes, as well as recovery programs, um, but also steps toward housing. Um, So it is a program where um, we most likely have the longest term clients. Um, People come to us and they have needs that we can fulfill through our programs. We get them housed, but they still need a place to come and interact with other people. And that's what we're here for.
0: For his part, Brian has nothing but good things to say about his experience with the Shamrock Club. If you're part of the
3: Shamrock Club, um, they can watch you and know, learn a little bit about you. And then if they know you, it helps you be able to get in that more. Because then they know what you need, and then they can get you what you need more. Um, but the hard part is sometimes, I find some of the people go through there, they find, oh, they don't get it right away. Whew, they're done. But to get the help through St. Patrick's Center, you just have to have the patience to attend the classes that they want you to attend if you're through Shamrock Club, or just have the patience to wait on that list until they tell you, hey, we
0: got your housing, then that helps a lot. A few years ago, as part of a three-year strategic plan, St. Patrick's Center decided to zero in on what they call Housing First, an evidence-based practice with a 15-year track record that's widely recognized in the industry. In January 2017, St. Patrick's Center completed a reorganization to focus more on the needs of the client and not so much on providing different kinds of services. For example, you may have heard that McMurphy's Cafe, which was operated by St. Patrick Center and employed clients, recently closed. Some in the community have gotten the idea that St. Patrick Center is changing, but Laurie wants everyone to know that their mission hasn't changed.
1: So even through the reorganization and the change to the Housing First methodology, the mission of St. Patrick's Center still remains the same. So we have been doing this for a long time. We will continue to do pretty much everything we've done before. We're just doing it in a different way. Um, So, you know, for for those people who think that change creates a different um, caliber of service to our client or a different mission. Um, that's just not true. We're still in the business of, of supporting people in their, in their housing and in any other support needs they have. Um, and we will continue to, to live by that mission for a long, long time.
0: So what does housing first mean in practice?
1: We reduce all barriers to housing so that housing is the first thing that we focus on when a client comes to us and they're either homeless or at risk of homelessness. That doesn't mean it's the only thing we do. So Along with the housing, we provide any support services that client may need, whether they be employment services, behavioral health services, anything that will get them to a place where they're going to be stable in their housing and be able to continue to lead a a productive life.
0: Surprisingly, Lori says this is not a universal approach.
1: Historically what all agencies who provide homeless services have done is actually established criteria or set up barriers for housing. So we would say oh well you need to be sober for 90 days or you need to be employed for six months so we're sure you're ready to be housed. That doesn't work um, because it, it doesn't allow people the stability they need to set goals and then to achieve those goals. So knowing where you're going to sleep and where you're going to eat it's much easier for you to move forward in the other areas of your life than not.
0: To help kick off the reorganization and emphasis on housing first, St. Patrick's Center embarked on an ambitious plan during the season of Lent
1: during the 40 days of Lent, we started a 40 and 40 housing challenge. So we said, hey, how about we try to get 40 people housed in these 40 days? So we went out to um, our case managers and said, who who can we get moved into this housing? Who's the right fit for the right program? We went out to the community and said, we're going to get 40 people housed in 40 days. Can you guys provide us um, some move-in kits or some vouchers for mattresses and the things that people will need as they move into an apartment? We went out to our landlords and Friends of the agency who know landlords and said, can you help us find some available affordable housing? It all came together so incredibly beautifully. It was a huge push. Over 60 people in our organization worked on it during those 40 days, and we were able to house almost 80 people. So we almost doubled what we wanted to do in just those 40 days of Lent with a huge amount of support from the community.
0: In the midst of the reorganization and the opening of Biddle Housing Opportunity Center, more on that in a moment, The New Life Evangelistic Center closed at the beginning of April 2017. The closure presented St. Patrick's Center and other community partners with a challenge, how to house an additional 150 or so people that otherwise would have stayed at New Life. So they brought in extra staff, did intakes and assessments, and made referrals when necessary.
1: It was a very calm process. The people that I saw when I was there were more scared than anything else because their lives were changing. Where they had stayed was now going away, and the... The services they understood were going to be different from this point forward, um, but we successfully moved um, all those people into shelter. Um, since then, the city, with the help of other agencies, has been able to get the 75 women that were in temporary shelter into different programs, either shelter or housing programs, and the next step of that process is to work on the 75 men who are still in a temporary shelter.
0: Now, about this place called the Biddle Housing Opportunity Center. Biddle operates as a collaboration between the City of St. Louis... St. Patrick Center, and Peter and Paul Community Services, as well as other community partners, to be a comprehensive pathway to housing options and support services for people who are homeless or at risk. Biddle, which is a 24-hour operation, has emergency overnight shelter for 98 men and provides referrals, meals, and housing placements for up to 125 women, men, and children.
1: So Biddle Housing Opportunity Center opened last August, August of 2016, and it was in response to the fact that we don't have enough shelter beds in the St. Louis region. And I'm not just talking about St. Louis City, but I'm even before the closure of New Life, we, we don't have enough shelter beds. Um, and so what the city approached St. Patrick's Center with was um, using a building that they would renovate, that they own and they would renovate, to do not only uh, emergency shelter for single men, but also to be the first facility in the area that does a front door coordinated entry process and by that I mean when somebody comes through the doors and says I'm, I'm homeless or at risk of homelessness, we do a discovery session which we call an intake. We also do a vulnerability score so there's a tool that we use much like you would use in uh, an emergency room to, uh, to determine someone's level of need and where they get in the queue. We do the same thing so that we can best prioritize clients and then get them moved to the right or referred to the right housing program.
0: As Lori said, Those housing programs and the clients who are referred to them are determined based on a level of need. There are three main levels. Clients with the lowest level of need make up about 25% of everyone who comes through the door. These people shouldn't enter the homeless system at all, Laurie says, because these people have resources. They just need very short-term help. So they're provided what's called diversion and prevention services. The largest group of clients, about 55%, fall into a moderate need category. These are educated people with support systems in place, but they're facing a medical emergency, job loss, or relationship breakups. They might need job placement help or behavioral health services. The remaining 20% have the highest needs. They have behavioral health issues and substance use disorders. And need long-term support services.
1: Of that 20%, though, only 10% of those people are what people view as a person who is homeless. So only 10% of the people are the very high-need individuals with very severe and persistent mental illness who either have a fear of the shelter system, are not sure how to navigate the homeless services system, can't have access to the right health care that they need in terms of doctors and medication or can't stay medical compliant because of their homelessness. And so the top 10% of those people and, and that full 20% really are our, are our top priority clients. And so when we do an assessment, the score that someone gets on that assessment allows us to put them into one of those support categories. And then we can prioritize them by other needs so that we know we're working from the most needy and vulnerable person backward from there.
0: St. Patrick's Center has found this system of categorization to be the most efficient method of getting people the help they need, both in terms of time and cost. Individuals with the lowest level of need can be helped for a one-time cost of anywhere from $250 to $700. The moderate need category requires a one-time cost of between $4,000 and $7,000, but these clients can be back on their feet within a year. Individuals in the highest need category require about $10,000 per year which might sound high, but compared to other options, it's quite inexpensive.
1: I talked to somebody who runs a psychiatric rehab at one of the major hospitals here and said that he's got folks who are homeless that he can't, uh, he can't discharge from the facility, and they're costing him a million dollars a year. In housing and support services. And so we we can do it for $10,000 a year and have that person be a stable and active part of their community as opposed to being somebody who is in a rehab or a hospital. Um, There are other studies by the Journal of American Medical Association and some others that can prove out that um, providing housing to certain groups of people based on their need will um, decrease the cost to a community by three to four million dollars in hospitalizations and incarcerations alone. Um, that's big money. And it's so much better for the community to stabilize somebody in their housing and then also direct those resources to other things like public safety or community development or whatever else we need as opposed to just moving people into jail, into the hospital, into jail, into the hospital, and back onto the street.
0: And it's a sad reality, but money really is what impacts the housing and homelessness. I mean, you have to have money to be able to help these people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, the general public out there, When they think of helping the homeless, they often think of the panhandler on the side of the highway, Mm -hmm. and they want to reach in their wallet and give them a few bucks out of goodwill. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're talking about efficiency and that we need to help these people, and there's probably a better way to do that.
1: St. Patrick's Center and most homeless services organizations believe that um, giving to panhandlers is something that allows them to continue their homelessness. We would never tell anyone not to do that if that's what somebody feels is right for them and right for their relationship with the person that they're meeting on the street. Um, we would never tell someone not to do that. But we do have very good examples of times when even the smallest amount of money, $1 or $2, can and cause, a, cause a significant problem in the life of someone.
0: One of those significant problems showed up dramatically in November 2016 when more than 200 synthetic marijuana overdoses ravaged the homeless community and severely burdened first responders in the city. Pope Francis recently said to give without worry, even if the homeless person spends it on a glass of wine. But the rash of overdoses caused St. Patrick's Center to issue a statement on giving to the homeless.
1: We understand that this is something that you think is beneficial. And somebody may go buy a cup of coffee with it or a hamburger, Um, but the reality is a lot of people want to use it to get the substance they need to get through their day. Our point was one or two dollars can actually significantly harm or kill somebody without our knowledge and the best way to engage people the way we've done it for 33 years, the way other agencies have done it for as long or longer um, is that People need to come in, they need to meet your staff, they need to meet other people who are in your programs, they need to understand what's available to them so that they can engage in services appropriately. They may not do it the first day, they may not do it the first month, but that consistency of presence for us as an agency, for our mobile outreach team, um, is really much better for the person and we can do so much more for them than just provide them a dollar or two on the street, which can in turn harm them and then create, creates havoc in the community.
0: Lori also suggests a different way of interacting with the homeless person.
1: Just engage with the person on a personal level. I mean, each one of these people is a human being. They have a first and a last name. They have parents. They come from somewhere. They may have children. They have a story. They have a history. It doesn't mean you need to spend 30 minutes having a conversation with people, but just acknowledge their presence. If you don't want to give them anything, don't give them anything and just say, I'm sorry, I can't do that today introduce yourself to them, let them know who you are, find out who they are. It's so critically important for people to feel like they've been seen and like they've been respected um, by the people that they encounter. And that's such a big part of what we do here is the level of respect that we provide to our clients and, and the level of, you know, the, the, sort of the recreation of the dignity that they once felt in their life is a big part of what we do with our clients and how we get them to move forward so for for someone you would encounter on the street who may be asking you for something um you know just say hello just look them in the eye and if you want to give them something give them something but we would recommend that um you just tell them that you can't do it today and um and just recognize that they exist
0: and if you'd like to help the homeless in a more meaningful way
1: there are a million ways to get involved at Biddle we have um we serve 21 meals a week Um, we need volunteers to help serve those those are pretty easy um, gigs they're usually less than an hour Um, we also serve lunch at our shamrock club here at the main building seven days a week and so that's another uh, food service opportunity for people we also have events that people can volunteer at so these are kind of one-time shots throughout the year we always need volunteers for those Um, we need people to help in our food pantry um, in our clothing room Um, we need people to do administrative work if they want to do administrative work Um, and we also have some opportunities if people want to get trained to be on a speaker's bureau. So there are a lot of different things you can do with St. Patrick's Center depending on what your interest level is and we can offer you those things and you can choose what makes sense for you.
0: On the flip side, if you or someone you know is homeless or at risk of being homeless, St. Patrick's Center is here to help.
1: The best thing to do, um, depending on what resources the person has, is either to come to the Welcome Center at St. Patrick's Center, which is at 800 North Tucker, or to visit Biddle Housing Opportunity Center, which is literally five blocks down the street, just north of our location. Um, It's at Tucker and Biddle. because that is the way that we engage with people in order to find out what their level of need is. You know, we have clients who come to us and say they're homeless and we realize by talking to them that they're actually at risk and we can probably prevent their homelessness. That's about 25% of the people we see. So if we can keep people from coming into the homeless services system because they need, first, last month's rent on a new apartment or they need to get their utility payments stabilized so that they don't get evicted or whatever the case, more they need a bag of groceries to appease a roommate, we can do all those things and keep them from becoming homeless, and that's, that's really important. But if people are homeless, we do have um, housing programs here at St. Patrick's Center and throughout the region that we can refer people to so that they can get moved into the appropriate level of housing, which really means just permanent housing, um, an apartment or a house of their own, and then the support services they need to stabilize in that.
0: Back at Gateway Greening's Urban Farm on that warm Friday morning, Brian who was happy to have a short break from his gardening duties, shared some practical advice for anyone thinking about going to St. Patrick's Center for help.
3: Most everything I got now through St. Patrick's Center, and I still can go through there to get whatever I need. The most important thing being a client there is to be patient, be willing to go through everything, to make the classes, and do everything else to get it done, and to be earnest enough to say, If I'm addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be, to be honest about that, to get your life fixed, because they want you to have housing, but they want to get your life straight in more than one way. Believe me, it takes a lot of time,
0: but it was well worth it. You're listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Now let's take a look at the news and events happening around the Archdiocese of St. Louis for the week of June 19th, 2017. You just heard about St. Patrick's Center and their Housing First model. Now here's how you can make an impact for local families struggling with homelessness. The St. Patrick's Center is seeking donations of items for clients moving into homes and apartments including mops, buckets, brooms, all-purpose cleaner, bathroom cleaner, dish soap, paper towels, and toilet paper. For more information, contact Katie Joseph at kjoseph at or 314-802-1976. Monsignor Charles J. Forst passed away on Tuesday, June 13th. Monsignor Forst was the longest-serving priest in the Archdiocese of St. Louis and was ordained to the Holy Priesthood on December 21st, 1945 by Archbishop John J. Glennon. He was the last remaining priest of the diocese to be ordained by Archbishop Glennon. The funeral mass for Monsignor Forrest will be on Monday, June 19, 2017, at 10 a.m. at St. Mark Church in Afton. A little after midnight on Thursday, June fifteenth, during the special session called by Governor Greitens to address pro-life issues, the Missouri Senate passed Senate Bill 5. The bill includes language preempting the abortion sanctuary ordinance passed by the City of St. Louis Board of Aldermen in February and protects pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes. The bill now moves to the Missouri House, where it is expected to be debated this week. Last week, Kendrick Glennon Seminary hosted their annual Father's Week social media campaign honoring priests as spiritual fathers in anticipation of Father's Day. The campaign saw participation on a worldwide level, as individuals, parishes, dioceses, and even celebrities showed their appreciation for the priesthood. Many thanks to the thousands of people who engaged in this effort to thank spiritual fathers, foster vocations, and pray for all future priests. CYC is holding a sports summit, which will take place on Saturday, July 29th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Cardinal Regale Center in Shrewsbury. The summit will be exploring how to integrate faith and athletics in practices, games, and life outside of sports. The cost is $10 and registration includes lunch and refreshments. Space is limited. Visit cycstl.net slash summit to register today. Now here are the five quintessential stories from the St. Louis Review handpicked by the staff for you to share and discuss this week. You can find these stories at stlouisreview.com slash five things, that's the numeral five things, or in the paper dated June 19th through 25th, 2017. First of all, you'll find an ongoing coverage of the special session on pro-life issues in this week's paper. Make sure to check out stlouisreview.com for the most up-to-date coverage. Walk of Fame. Dave Lueking has a story on how St. Rose Philippine Duchenne joins the Walk of Fame in the Del Mar Loop. She'll receive her star in a ceremony on June 23rd. American Heritage Girls. Jennifer Brinker has this story on how an organization for young girls is seeing growth and popularity around the archdiocese. On the subject of homelessness, Jennifer Brinker takes a look at Saints Joachim and Ann Care Services, hosting In Plain Sight, a photography competition among homeless individuals to capture their everyday living situations. And finally, Joe Kenny has a story in the St. Louis Review about St. Patrick's Center, featuring client Brian Sino, whom you just heard on this podcast. And In just a minute, we'll talk to Joe about this story and more. Stay tuned. There is a look at some of the people and events making news around the Archdiocese of St. Louis for the week of June nineteenth, two 2017. Remember, for these stories and more, visit us online at stlouisreview.com and archstl.org. Remember to engage with us. Remember to also engage with the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the St. Louis Review on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates, photos, and more. Now let's jump back into the Catholic Gateway podcast and an interview with St. Louis Review reporter Joe Kenny. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Now, in the studio, I have with me Joe Kenny with the St. Louis Review to talk a little bit about uh, what we were just hearing about in the first segment of the podcast uh, homelessness and St. Patrick's Center, what they're doing to address. Homelessness in our community and, and their housing first model. So, Joe, uh, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, it's good
2: to talk about this.
0: It is. It's an important issue. And before we get going, we should mention the fact that uh, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess you were given an award by Empower Missouri. Is that right?
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, it's the old uh, Missouri Association of uh, Social Workers.
0: And they uh, they gave you an award for writing on social justice issues and, and the uh, extensive coverage you provide of those issues in the St. Louis Review and and. Uh, uh, so we thank you or congratu- thank you for doing your work and congratulate oh, you. Yeah, it was you a on nice that, so.
2: deal, and uh, I was supported by a number of my colleagues here at the Review, so it was great.
0: Yeah, it, it looked, uh, looked like a, a fun night and a well-deserved honor. So Thanks. one of those um, examples of your fine writing on this topic is the article that appears in the St. Louis Review edition uh, dated June 19th through 25th, 2017. Uh, you can find it in print under the uh, the headline, Housing First. St. Patrick's Center's shift to rapid housing model helps clients remove barriers. And, uh, Joe, you went out and you talked to the same guy we heard from in the first segment, Brian Sano, uh, St. Patrick Center client. Right. You probably got to know him a little bit more, though, than I did in my brief. I had just a couple minutes with him. So for those who uh, are listening, what, uh, what was he like? There were a few things that popped up in the article that I didn't even know.
2: He's really uh, just an affable guy. He's got a, a sense of humor. He breaks into different voices. Uh, uh, he says he was interested in acting, and uh, so he, he entered, he's kind of an entertaining guy, and the people at St. Patrick's Center, the staff, just kind of love him, and he volunteers there a lot, which they, they really enjoy too. So he's, he's not just you typically think somebody at one of these places is just uh, there to
0: receive help, but he also gives back. Yeah, that's really great to, to hear and, and to know that he's doing that. Um, and now why is this such an important issue to address, homelessness? And we touched on it a little bit in the, in the earlier segment about, you know, there's the issues of like the synthetic marijuana overdoses that were going on, um, the New Life Evangelistic Center closed down, so there's a greater need for, for beds. We don't have enough emergency shelter for people. Um, but overall, why is this such an important issue to talk about?
2: Well, it's a really complex issue, but um, if people can wrap their heads around it and and do something about it, it 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 takes the whole community to be involved in this.
0: So we really need to get behind it. yeah. and you wrote the editorial in this edition as well, talking about homelessness and and housing and and how we need to really uh, talk about those issues. And there's a little bit of uh, news you wanted to mention that I guess is mentioned in the editorial, but you were going to mention right. it here as well. Yeah, DePaul USA is a, a
2: national organization, but they have a presence in St. Louis. Uh, they've been doing a pro- I think it's called Project More, and it, it, they work with uh, people released from prisons. And now they're going, they have a building that they're going to dedicate to young adults who are homeless, uh, 18 to 24. It's a population that's not always served real well, so they'll, the, and it will be supported there they'll have staff there so it won't be just a place for these young adults to party they'll be
0: they'll be <laughs> they're uh, not going to be getting in trouble <laughs> right
2: no th- it'll be focused on getting them services and getting them jobs and
0: and and that'll be people community. like Brian like right. Brian Sainon be, be a we good person from. for that yes yeah. um now uh, make sure you check out that story on uh, on Brian and St. Patrick Center cuz They're doing a lot of good things. And one thing we heard, uh, one thing I heard when I talked to Lori Phillips of the St. Patrick Center, I'm sure you heard this too, is um, they are trying to really emphasize that they are not changing. They are not, you know, forgetting what they did in the past in their history. Uh, They're just sort of re-emphasizing things. And some people have heard like the closing of McMurphy's Cafe uh, is one thing that a lot of people I think have heard about. Um, and, and sort of uh, made some people think that St. Patrick's Center is like abandoning something that they used to do. They're not doing that, right? And we just want to reemphasize that, right? Right.
2: It's just a reordering. Um, in Utah, this began, Housing First began in Utah, and they've had real big success. Uh, the, the figures are, are uh, the number of people that they've been able to help has risen, and the people get back on their feet. So the, they're trying, they're doing do that here. And it's just to get people in housing first, and then provide them the services.
0: Yeah, because it's really important. If you you don't have a place to live, you don't have a steady place to go every night. It's hard to get the rest of your life in order. It's it's almost impossible. Um, Just imagine your own life if you were without your housing. What what else sort of what other dominoes might fall? Uh, It sort of. Because and the housing dramatic.
2: has to be affordable. That's one of the problems. Uh, St. Joe and Anne works on this in St. Charles, and they have a, a really hard time with finding affordable housing.
0: And while we're speaking of that, actually, the Living Our Faith section of this paper, the June 15th through 25th edition, uh, is on a photo contest that St. Joe and Anne is putting on. Uh, I know um, uh, that was Jennifer's story, but uh, also focuses on homelessness and a, a contest that they had to uh, where they gave homeless people disposable cameras and had them go out and take photos of their life and so it's really um, something you can see sort of the the life of a homeless person through their eyes through these pictures so uh, that uh, photo gallery is opening up later in this month right and yeah uh, and it just
2: it's a personal look at it it's uh, you know people look at homeless people and see them and think oh, uh, that's you know that's somebody to be avoided but they're real people and um there there's a wide variety of people with a wide wide variety of circumstances that led them to this
0: yeah well joe thanks for coming on again briefly to talk about this and thanks for the work you've done in writing this story and others about this important topic and we want to keep uh, bringing people uh, the message and make sure to reemphasize this this important topic so there's so it's on the forefront of people's minds
2: so yes and if you're interested uh, definitely uh, pick up the paper
0: or Look, in, look on our website and look into it f- further. Absolutely. LouisReview.com or in the hard copy paper, June 19th through 25th, 2017. Thanks for listening. This is the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I'm Gabe Jones, and that was Joe Kenny. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast, just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review. They're on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram under the handle at St. Louis Review. That's S.T. Louis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis.